This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. You get me on Twitter at Dan Grosser, G-R-A-C-A. So, all right, let's play a game. We're going to start the show a little bit differently than we usually do. All right? You know, we ran this by the powers that be. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. Just because, well, you know, it's my show. Do what I want. Harvey, you're okay with this, right? You're not going to stand in the way you don't object? I don't know what's going to happen. I think you know what's going to happen. But I'm here for it. Okay, we're going to play a little game called Guess What Happened to Me on the Way to Work Today game. Anybody can play it. That's the beauty of it, as long as you're employed, of course, and you go to work, because that's in the title of the game, What Happened to Me on the Way to Work. You can play with your friends, your family, your coworkers even. I hear that there's going to be a home version of this game in development one day. Sweeping the country. So anyway, I'll be the first contestant on what happened to me on the way into work today. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. I wish I could be that excited. So I couldn't be more than probably, I don't know, 10 minutes from my house, if that. The music adds the levity to it, which I like. It'll actually calm me down. Didn't even get on the turnpike to make my way in. And all of a sudden, I'm behind, you know, maybe two cars behind one of these giant, you know, trucks that, of course, are all over the road, especially at that time of day. And all of a sudden, one of these stones goes flying up into the air, probably came from the truck, goes bouncing, bouncing, picking up steam. I can, of course, swerve out of the way because you don't see it until the very end. And then, boom, right into the old windshield. Yeah, it didn't quite make that sound. If it did, I probably wouldn't be sweating things out right now. But the beauty of those things is that normally you don't even see where the point of impact was. And I got to concentrate on the road. I'm not going to sit there and, like, nose around and see, what, did it hit it? Do I have a mark? Do I have a What happened? So I think, all right, whatever. You know, whatever happens, happens. Then I'm about, like, another 20 minutes down. And all of a sudden I start to see this little crack start to inch out from my left side. And it's growing and growing and growing to the point where it's like almost all the way over to my steering wheel and to where I am driving the vehicle. I said, fantastic. So that is what happened to me on the way into work today. I don't have to call up my friends to get the old windshield probably replaced because you can't drive around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it sounded like. So the game show music, like I said, added a little bit of humor to the whole thing. Some comic relief, but I ain't laughing. No, 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 no. So feel free to pick up the game where I left off and to continue on with your buddies. What happened to me? My way into work today. Yeah, let's hope tomorrow's a little bit better. What do you think? Anyway, so that's where we're at. We'll start with the football, and of course it's going to be mostly football because, well, it's football season. Yankees beginning their final homestand of the year tonight. They're going to take on the Toronto Blue Jays and finish out the rest of the week before going out on the road. Mets are once again in Miami. Boy, look at the Mets playing spoiler, right? They're going to have a lot to say about how this wild card race shakes out in the National League because the Mets play the Marlins, the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Phillies the rest of the year. Now, Philadelphia is in pretty good shape. Like, they're going to get one of these wild cards. But the Marlins, on the other hand, well, right now they're on the outside looking in. And the Mets might have something to say about that. Because the Mets haven't been able to beat too many teams this year, as we know. But somehow, some way, they got the Marlins figured out. They've won six out of eight against the Fish, and they still have five more games against them. So if Miami doesn't solve the Mets over the next couple of weeks, they could be home in the month of October 
as opposed to maybe playing some playoff baseball, which they look like they were maybe in position to do just that. So we'll keep you up to date on what's happening with the baseball, have some other thoughts about it as far as league-wide stuff a little bit later on in the program here. But we start with the football. We start with the football tonight because, geez, today is essentially like a Friday, right? If you're a Giant fan, today is like your Friday. It's like a football Friday on a Tuesday if you root for Big Blue because you got a game in a couple of days. 48 hours from now, Giants, Niners, Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, and as we said on the show last night, thank the heavens if you're a Giant fan that they won that game against the Arizona Cardinals. Doesn't matter how ugly it was, doesn't matter that they needed a last second field goal, they had to win that game because right now you got yourself at least a little bit of a season. Right? You're one and one. And if you were going into Santa Clara 0 and 2, well that would have meant 0 and 3. And then you really would have been spiraling out of control with Seattle, with Buffalo and Miami still to come here over the next few weeks. And then your season might be over by the time you even get to Halloween, which is not what anybody plans when you're going to lend your support to a football team, as we all know. Now, sometimes it works out that way, unfortunately. But for a team coming off a playoff trip last year, like the New York Giants did, to where they had all that success, returning largely pretty much the same roster with a few additions, right? Your core is still in place. You expected this team to at least be competitive this year. We were down on the NFC way back in the summertime. And if you looked at the NFL and you looked at the landscape, you said, you know what? This is not the stronger of the two conferences right now. And it's funny, even though two weeks doesn't necessarily make a season, you look at the NFL and you look at the standings, seven teams are undefeated right now on the NFC side, just two over in the AFC. The AFC just beating the you-know-what out of each other. Miami and Baltimore, that's it right now through two weeks in the AFC. They're the only ones that are unblemished. But we've seen here in New York the Dallas Cowboys the first two weeks of the season, right? Beat up the Giants 40-10 to 10, or 40 to nothing. They were lucky if they got 10. Beat the Jets up pretty good 30-10 to 10 in week number two. But for my money, I am still... Lending my support behind the San Francisco 49ers is the best team in the NFL right now. Even though maybe their results haven't been as flashy or as dominant as the Cowboys have, my money is still with San Francisco. I picked them to win the whole darn thing, and I'm not jumping ship two weeks in. Can't do that. Got to ride this thing out. So a short week on the road, all of those things certainly point in favor of the 49ers to take care of business this week. But that still doesn't mean the Giants can't go out there and at least play a competitive game. And now Saquon Barkley went down at the end of the Arizona game with a little over a minute to play with the ankle, and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, we're not going to see him. Right? He's pretty much as good as done for this week's game. I mean, there was even a chance, and you heard some of these reports, that maybe it's going to be a two- or a three-week injury. But Brian Dayball today, in meeting with the media out there in Arizona where the Giants are kind of making camp until they have to depart for San Fran tomorrow, Brian Dayball wasn't quite ready to rule out number 26. I'm not saying that he's out yet. He's he's a quick healer. I'm not saying he's in, he's out. We're going to take it all the way up with him to to Thursday, but he feels a lot better today. I just I just talked to him. So we'll see we'll see where we're at. The power of healing. It's a wonderful thing, is it not? I don't know who Saquon knows. Hopefully he could pass his number over to Aaron Rodgers. Let's see if he can accelerate his recovery. But what about those initial timelines, coach? Like we heard that, you know, he's out at least a couple of weeks. What what happened to all that? 
Saquon is, I'd say he's, he's a lot better than maybe I thought he would be or some other people thought he would be today. Um, so again, he might heal a little bit different than another player, if you will. So we'll just take it, you know, day to day with him. And um, if he can make it great, if he can't see if he can get better by the following week and we'll just take it uh, one day at a time. Look, not that I smell a rat in any way. That's not what I'm gunning at here, but we see this all the time in sports. First off, at least in the NFL, you don't see coaches come out and be as forthright and as be as willing to fess up information when it comes to a player status dealing with an injury because they keep things as close to the vest as humanly possible for as long as they possibly can. And if you're Brian Dayball right now, uh, pretend you're the coach of the Giants. I'll ask you, what do you possibly have to gain from telling the whole world? And by the way, in that world is the San Francisco 49ers, your opponent in 48 hours. What do you have to gain by telling the world that Saquon is definitively out and not going to play in this game? The timeline might not have changed in any way, shape, or form. He still may not play on Thursday. And you know what? If I'm a betting man, based on what we're hearing and what we saw the other day, I don't think he's going to play Thursday on a, uh, on a short week, especially. But the Giants aren't obliged to tell anybody. This is gamesmanship 101. This is right out of the manual. Don't give up any sort of injury information to your upcoming opponent. It's as simple as that. I mean, if Barkley goes out there and plays, well, you know what? Giants have a miracle worker on their training staff. I don't know what else to tell you. But who knows about Andrew Thomas? Who knows about Saquon Barkley? Really, it doesn't even matter because the only thing that's going to matter is who's running out of that tunnel at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Because whether Barkley plays or whether Barkley doesn't play, the Giants are going to be in trouble against this football team. A lot of clubs that line up against the San Francisco 49ers are going to be in that situation. And that is why you hope, week in and week out, that you got yourself a quarterback that you could rely on. That you got yourself a guy that even if other parts of your team break down, he's going to still be able to make enough plays to try to pull you out of this thing. Like we saw him do in the second quarter in Arizona. Like we saw him do on occasion last year, as a matter of fact, in helping this team get to the playoffs. And then he saved his best for that playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings. All right, so you believe in this guy. You paid him as much. You essentially told the whole world, hey, we think Daniel Jones has a chance to be our on-field leader for several more seasons. But you got to go out there and prove it. You know, playing one half of good football over the first eight quarters of the season is not a way to necessarily go about accomplishing that and to maybe satisfying the fans' urges. Because it's a bottom-line business. If you don't produce, they're going to go out there and try to find your replacement in five minutes. That's how this game works. I mean, look at what the Green Bay Packers did for crying out loud once upon a time. Aaron Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer. An MVP how many times over? That didn't stop them from going out there and drafting his successor in the first round of a draft when otherwise you might have thought, hey, let's draft somebody that can help us win now while we still have our aging quarterback. You know, Giants tried to take that approach when Eli Manning was still here in the last couple of seasons of his career. Hey, let's try to make sure we can try to win around Eli. Let's surround Eli with as many pieces as possible to try to squeeze out maybe one more magical run from him. Didn't work. Right? Didn't work. So let's say Saquon's not going to be in the lineup this week. You take away a big piece of this offense. 
What does that mean for Daniel Jones? Well, ask the head coach. Look, Daniel's got his job to do, just like the running backs have their job, the receivers, the offensive line. It's, you know, individually taking care of your responsibility, whatever that may be, um, and, and doing your job at a high level. And he's going to have to do it at a high level against arguably one of the best defenses in the National Football League. This Niners defense is no joke. They're legit. And this is going to be their home opener. You know the place is going to be mobbed. If they remember, it's an early start and it's a Thursday night. You hope they will. But there are not too many other opponents right now in the National Football League that you would want to see less than the San Francisco 49ers coming up here in two nights, which is what the Giants have staring them right in the face and maybe, likely, not even having a full roster. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. We'll take your calls. Get in on the Giants here. Don't worry. We'll have plenty to say about the Jets. That's not changing. But one area you notice in talking about the Giants here that I didn't bring up specifically But you know what? I think it's about time we have ourselves a good, honest conversation about. Right? We'll do that when we return. It's the Grasso Show on a Tuesday with a cracked windshield. 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Giants Niners in a couple of days on Thursday Night Football. Jets going to be back to work tomorrow preparing for the New England Patriots, trying to snap a 14-game losing streak to their friends to the north, and that'll be coming up on Sunday, of course. Our coverage beginning right here at 11 a.m. Buttle and myself out at the Coaches Club at MetLife Stadium. So as far as the Giants are concerned, yeah, we're talking about Barkley. We're talking about the offense and what they're going to have to do to hopefully, you know, make enough plays to keep this team in it. And by the way, the injury report came out a little while ago and the Giants didn't actually practice practice. They just had a walkthrough. You know, they're, they're they're still in recovery. And that's why Thursday Night Football is stupid is that you talk to most players, they need about a full week to even start feeling okay 
before they can go out there and play a full game again. So to do it just a few days later is is ridiculous, but it's all for money. Um, so the Giants and a lot of these teams, when they have Thursday night football, they just conduct walkthroughs. So they estimate what would the is status be of a player if indeed they had a normal practice. So Barkley and Ben Bredesen would not have practiced. Okay, Bredesen, member left in the third quarter with a concussion on Sunday against Arizona. And then Micah McFadden, Aziz Ojolari, Wandell Robinson, and Andrew Thomas would all have been limited. So we'll see what their status is going to be for this game coming up on Sunday. But apart from the offense right now, can we have an honest conversation about the defense? Because they seem to be just skating on by. Because all the focus has been on what the quarterback did in the second half of the game. And now the Saquon Barkley injury, right? And the fact that they were shut out in week number one, the offense. And so now they responded to a certain degree against Arizona, and you're starting to feel maybe a little bit better about things. But how about the defense? Right now it's only two weeks, and I bring it up a lot. You know, this is the same organization that once upon a time in 2007, they won a Super Bowl, and their defense was getting absolutely carved up the first two games of the season. And they won the Super Bowl on the strength of their defense. So, yeah, maybe it's too premature to push the panic button, but you still don't have to like what you've seen. I mean, the Giants have given up the most points in the NFL so far in the first two weeks of the season. They haven't forced a turnover yet. They're one of only five teams to have yet created a takeaway in the NFL. And they also haven't even sacked the quarterback yet. And they're the only team in the league that has that unique distinction of zero sacks and zero turnovers. It's got to change. It's got to change. You know, because we thought during the offseason that Joe Shane and company went out there and tried to fix what ailed this defense the most last year when it came to stopping the run, for example, right? They got some more depth on that defensive line, got some bigger bodies in there, gave Bobby Okereke all that money to be that sideline-to-sideline tackling machine at that linebacker position. Giants have had a hard time stopping the run so far. Hadn't been easy for them. So that's got to be better, and it's got to change. But when do we start putting some pressure on the defense? Right? I mean, the Jets were a disaster on Sunday. And the quarterback gets the most blame because he's the quarterback. But if you watch the game, you realize, you know what? The defense didn't do too much to help anybody out in that football game. And I think you can start looking at that with the New York Giants. And case in point, before the year started, what did we say? The two first-round picks from a year ago, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, they have to be better in year two. Not that Thibodeau was a disaster last year, but you expect more. You know, this was a guy that when he was coming out of Oregon, remember, he talked a big game, thought he was going to be a star, and that turned some teams off potentially. Well, what we've seen so far in one year plus two games leaves a little to be desired, especially for a guy that was drafted that high. And then I guess, you know, cameras captured him in one of those moments on the sidelines on Sunday to where when the Giants were celebrating that they were going to get a victory, Thibodeau was over there on the sidelines kind of just by himself. And then he decided to have a comment about the fan base, which you know as well as I do. That is a proposition that is going to yield little to no returns that are at least favorable for any player or coach. Take a listen. Every fan just wants to be a part of a winning team. 
right? So even early in that game, our own fans are booing us. You're giving up on us. And then as soon as we start to win, now everybody's cheering and everybody's excited. Everybody wants to get a jersey signed and this and that. It's a tough situation, but when you start to realize that the only people that matter are the people in the room and the only people who are really here for us is us. As long as we continue to focus on that and continue to control the narrative and keep pushing forward, we'll be all right. You know what? That reeks of a guy who, number one, doesn't have a lot of NFL experience, clearly, right? Number two, he's not from around here, and he's a West Coast guy, right? Went to school out in Oregon. He's from California. He doesn't know this city. He doesn't know the fan base. He doesn't know how demanding they are. But you know what? There's also no better place in the world that if you are winning and things are going good, than being in this city and playing for this fan base. I don't care what team that you're on in this town. Whether you play for the Jets, whether you play for the Giants, the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks, whoever. They're the best fans around. So he's got to tread lightly here, and he's got to be careful because this is a situation where you don't want somebody to go out there and start picking battles with the fan base when you haven't really done anything yet in your career to warrant maybe throwing slings and arrows in their direction. This isn't like Kayvon Thibodeau's been around for a decade and he was on one of those giant Super Bowl teams, right? It's like we're talking about Justin Tucker, somebody sitting there taking on the fans. Guys who have actually, you know, won here before. You've been in the league for five minutes. Doesn't matter what you did in college. Doesn't matter that you weren't All-American. Doesn't matter that you were drafted high. Doesn't matter how popular in your brand and all those other things. At the end of the day, you're producing or you're not producing. Because that's all those fans are going to care about. That's what they brought you in here for. They didn't bring in here to do commercials, to build your brand. All that stuff goes out the window anyways if you don't do what you're supposed to do on Sundays. That's why you're here. So that's an interesting approach, i got to be honest with you. And it's one that I didn't quite expect. But you better go out there and start making some plays and helping this defense and helping this team win more importantly than anything else. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's start it off with John in Jersey, up first here on 98.7 ESPN. Johnny, how are you? Good. How are you? What's up, John? Listen, um... I could not agree with you more. Everything that you've said, I want to give you one more thing to yeah. add to the list. And, and I, I agree with everything you've said, and I, that's not normally the case. You're the show that I, I, I listen to and yell, yell at the radio. So well, that's good. I'm, I'm happy tonight. You don't have to agree with everything I say, John. That, that makes it fun, right? Right. Okay, so here you go. You can't argue that Saquon is a, a, a special talent, a special running back. However, he's got to get his act together on the field as well. He caused he caused two intercept. How, how many interceptions does Jones have this year? Two. They're because of Saquon. Right, ball went off his hands. Yeah, eerily similar. Yeah, and uh, both of them, and 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 they the, both of them ended up in points. So Saquon owes us fourteen points. I don't. Dis- I, I mean, John, it's obvious. I don't disagree with you, and, and I think that obviously he's got to be a little bit better. And if you're hurt. You're not helping the team, right? And it's just amazing so far. When you look around the National Football League, and if you watch Monday Night Football last night with what happened to Nick Chubb, you know, between him, Saquon Barkley, 
you know, J.K. Dobbins already has a torn Achilles. You look at the running back position, and you look at how so many of these guys, and I'm talking about impact guys, have gone down already to start the season. In one, you know, on one hand, you feel bad because of all the talk that came out of the summertime, how the position is being devalued and how guys aren't necessarily getting paid what they feel they're worth, like Saquon, for example. Right? He didn't want to sign that franchise tag, and instead, he went out there, looked around, see if he could get a better deal. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Giants weren't going to sit there and open up the checkbook any further than they had to. But that's happening league-wide. And even though, like, people think, well, it's not that important to have a running back, and, uh, you know, you don't have to have a, a marquee back into somebody who's going to carry the ball for you 25, 30 times a game, well, that's all well and good. But what happens when you run them into the ground? And what happens when they can't stay healthy? What type of an impact does that have on the rest of your offense? Especially if you have a quarterback who maybe, just maybe, is not one of those guys that you feel super comfortable with. And turning over the game plan to him entirely. Saquon's got to be better. And being on the sidelines, that's not going to help matters. Look, if you're a Giant fan, you know how important he is to this offense. Because you could be the biggest Giant fan in the world. But deep down, do you really and truly trust Daniel Jones a thousand percent? You know, are we talking about Daniel Jones the same way that we discussed the likes of Aaron Rodgers all summer long? That... You could put the ball on his shoulders or put the game on his shoulders and have him put the ball in the air 40, 45 times a game because he's Aaron Rodgers, right? You feel comfortable about that. I don't know if you want Daniel Jones being that guy. You know, you want to take advantage of some of the traits that he brings to the football field and mix it in the run and really showcasing his athleticism. But Daniel Jones isn't your prototypical pocket passer, a guy who's just going to drop back and you're going to feel, all right, well, you know what? We're cool like that. You don't give Daniel Jones the Patrick Mahomes treatment, the Joe Burrow treatment, all those things. Now, maybe in time he grows into that, but not here in the 2023 season. And that's why I'm curious to see our first look at this offense potentially without Saquon on Thursday night. How is it going to affect it? And against a really, really good defense in the San Francisco 49ers? That's rough. That's potentially rough. 800. 919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get more giant stuff as we move forward through the evening. When we come back, though, we'll talk about the other football team in town. And a word that I want to really dive into with each and every one of you is trust. And we're going to examine the word trust from a lot of different angles tonight. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So we started with the Giants and move on to the Jets now. 
And it's obvious they've got themselves a huge game coming up on Sunday against the New England Patriots. A winnable game. Certainly it is a much more winnable game than the one that they just completed with the Dallas Cowboys, even going into it. Not just because we knew how the outcome was against Dallas and they were completely mauled on the field down there in Texas. And normally you don't say that about a team that's beaten you 14 consecutive times. But all teams aren't created equal. And if you remember the two games against the New England Patriots last year, Jets had their chances. You know? Jets made some mistakes. They didn't get strong quarterback play in either one of those games. And that's why they walked off the field with an L in both of them. Now, ironically enough, same quarterback is going to be out there on Sunday against the New England Patriots. And to say that the Patriots have been unkind and have been a problem for Zach Wilson since he's coming to the NFL, that would be putting it mildly. When he was a rookie... First home game he ever played was against the Patriots. In week number two, he threw not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions. Jets lost. Second time he played the Patriots up in Foxborough, he got hurt. Couldn't even finish the game. Jets lost ugly. Last year, first game MetLife Stadium, they played the Patriots. Jets had their chances. Jets were in control that game. There was a bogus rough in the passer call on John Franklin Myers. Where have we seen that before? Negated a pick six to Michael Carter II. But Zach Wilson threw three interceptions that afternoon, too. A couple of them were really, really, really ugly. Like, really ugly. You just can't do if you're playing the position in the NFL in a real game. And then you had the game up in Foxborough last year where the offense basically couldn't move from here to there with Zach at the helm. And then it was after that game where things really bottomed out and they decided to go to the bullpen and bring in Mike White. And because Aaron Rodgers' season lasted only four plays, you're back to Zach again. So before we went to the break, I said, let's really examine the word trust, right? Do you as a Jet fan, and you know what, maybe you're not even a Jet fan. If you're a football fan, if you like watching football and the Jets just happen to be on your screen every once in a while, do you trust this quarterback after two years and two games into his NFL career? Now, look, I don't want to spoil the surprise. I think I kind of have an idea and a sense where a lot of you are going to be going with this. Just a hunch. I know what the general tenor of this conversation is going to be. When I decided to talk about this tonight, I was texting Harvey earlier today. I said, hey, Harvey, you know what? I think we got to open up that can of worms again tonight. I think we got to talk about the quarterback. But we're not just going to sit here and make it a one-sided conversation. We're really going to try to play this thing on both sides of the aisle. Right? This is going to be a bipartisan conversation. We're going to give you the good. We're going to give you the bad. We're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you the fabrication. This is not going to be some sort of a hatchet job. That's not what we're here. That's not what we're here to do. But ever since Aaron Rodgers went down, we've sat here and we've gone back and forth and debated whether or not this guy is good enough to help this team win. Not help them win a Super Bowl, just win games. Right? I mean, you can't worry about the Super Bowl now. Guys, it's September the 19th. Super Bowl is like the second week of February. When is the Super Bowl anyway? Like February what? Whatever, it's, 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 it's way down the road. And generally the way things work with the Super Bowl is is that you have to win enough games in September, October, November, December to put yourself in a position to then compete to go to the Super Bowl. But guys, we're a long ways away from that. 
You know, it's going to be a hell of a lot colder when the Super Bowl rolls around. Hell, I'm wearing shorts right now. Still shorts weather outside. It's beautiful. It's not what it's going to be like in February. But now's when you got to win those games. So you're in the running to maybe have a chance to have a good season. Now only one team can win the Super Bowl. Only one team is going to end the year happy. 31 others are going to be miserable. So the odds are stacked against you regardless. But from the minute Aaron Rodgers went down, and the Jets won that game against the Buffalo Bills, what, eight days ago, I said then, and I'm still sticking to it, that this team can still have a good season. And they could be a playoff team. Because the roster, regardless of what happened last weekend in Dallas, is good enough to win. If it wasn't good enough to win, they wouldn't have beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. See, everybody wants to zero in on the fact that, oh, they got beat up bad by the Cowboys. Yeah, but they beat a good Bills team on Monday night football without Aaron Rodgers. So that's got to count for something, doesn't it? Sometimes you have a rough day at the office. That's exactly what happened to them down in Dallas. And give credit to the Cowboys. Cowboys are a good football team. And it's probably not going to be the only good football team the Jets face the rest of the way. These things happen. But how much do you trust this quarterback, right? Garrett Wilson. And what do we say on this show about Garrett Wilson? We say what? 17 is special. Special on the field, special off the field. One of my favorite dudes, okay? I tell him that every chance that I get to see him. He does a weekly with Barton Hahn here on the channel. And, of course, the topic of Zach Wilson came up. How could it not, right? It's the elephant in the room. So Garrett was asked, why does the team believe in Zach Wilson? Because of the stuff that they don't see, man. It's being with them every day, the way we practice. You know, there's a lot of things that lead up to Sunday. And, and you want to put a product out there on Sunday, but it takes all 11. You know, that's the thing about football is if you watch that game and go snap to snap, you'll realize that Zach was playing on his toes the whole game because of the things that were going on around him. You know, that's kind of the best way I can put it. We as a whole have to improve. And Zach's hard on himself, man. He doesn't, he, you know, he's turned off all the social media. He's turned off all the outside noise. And, and he knows, you know, he's the first one to critique himself. And, and that's what it takes to take the steps that you want to take and he has that down well dirty little secret zach don't control the social media anyways even if something's posted he's got people for that so it's not like you're communicating directly with zach so you can you know tweet out whatever the hell you want to him it's not him but that's neither here nor there that's not going to help our conversation tonight but do you trust him right that's the question and i know that there's some people whether it's part of the fan base people in the media whoever that are making these bold declarations after just two games and saying the Jets have to go out and bring in a quarterback. They've got to go trade for a starting quarterback because Zach Wilson's not good enough. They have to find somebody else to be able to pilot this ship. And every time that I hear that, my simple retort is, who do you want? And not just who do you want. When I say who do you want, I want a realistic answer. Because obviously you want to say, you know what, prime Joe Montana, prime Tom Brady, prime Peyton Manning. That can't happen, right? Those options are null and void. Right now, two weeks into the season, who do you want? Remember, you look at the NFL standings right now. Even teams that haven't won a game, none of them 
are any more than two games out of first place in their respective divisions with 15 still to play. Who's waving the flag on their season right now aside from the Arizona Cardinals? And you don't want anything they have anyway because they're trash. Other than them, who is going to be in sell mode? That's what I'm talking about, realistic options. And you know what? History, whenever you want to come from the approach of, well, you know what? The organization did a horrible job this year in making sure that they had a capable backup quarterback. Oh, did they? Tell me right now what franchise goes into a season planning for their starting quarterback to be injured. And especially in the case of the Jets, planning for your starting quarterback, who's a Hall of Famer, who has played every game in the NFL eight of the last nine years, right? That's a pretty good percentage. How did they plan for his season to end four plays into it? You think that's the way they constructed this roster? Like with Joe Douglas and all the scouts, they're in the, in, in the war room on draft night. Wait, Joe, what do you think we should do with this first-round pick? Joe, geez, we, you know, we got New England's on the clock. How do you think we should handle this second-round pick? Oh, I don't know, guys. You know, there's a chance Aaron might go down four plays into the season. Maybe we should use a high pick on another quarterback. What do you think? No, they're not going to do that. Instead, they're going to continue to build up this roster and, supp- and supplement the other areas that they think maybe that they can make even stronger and add some more depth to. Depth that's generally going to be tested a little bit more than even a quarterback position over the course of a season. What happened to the Jets was bad luck. Nothing more, nothing less. Bad luck. You don't replace a future Hall of Famer. You don't replace a four-time MVP. You don't. You hope that somebody could keep the wheels upright, but you're not going to get the same production. Four plays into the season, all that stuff went out the window. This isn't the days where you could sit there and have Steve Young, a Hall of Famer, as your backup to a Hall of Fame quarterback in Joe Montana. You know, even when Aaron Rodgers held a clipboard for Brett Favre once upon a time, that was a long time ago, and plus Aaron Rodgers was on a rookie contract, remember? It's not like he was making a ton of money. I mean, can you imagine, like, the days when he had Montana and Steve Young, if this was, like, now in respect to where they both were in their careers, you know how much money that would cost you? I mean, look at the money some of these backup quarterbacks are getting paid now just to sit there and be an insurance policy. Why do you think guys like Mark Brunel hung around till like, they were past 40 and, and, and several others? Why, you know, Joe Flacco still wants to play, even if he just wants to be on a roster, because now you get at least two, three million bucks to stand there and hold the clipboard. It's a good line of work if you could get it with no guarantee that you're going to have to play. But anybody who wants to go out there and say, oh, trade for a guy, bring in this person, why didn't you get a better backup quarterback? We'll have a little history lesson when we come back. Plus, I want to hear your phone calls. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hoping to see a lot of you out there, of course, for Jets Pats. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So, I don't know how many of you actually bought in 
realistically to the Super Bowl or bust hype for the Jets before the season started, right? But if you go back in modern times in the NFL, you've got two cases where a team went ahead and won a Super Bowl when there was an unknown that basically just trotted in off the sidelines and helped get them there. Now, the problem is is that two of those guys, both examples, they ended up being Hall of Famers. We didn't know it at the time, but they were Hall of Famers. One was Kurt Warner with the Rams, and the other two years later was Tom Brady in 2001, right? So when you lose a quarterback either in the preseason or in the first couple of weeks of the year, you don't have much of a contingency plan. You got to go with what you got. And those teams caught lightning in a bottle. They didn't know in a million years that those guys would develop into what they ultimately became. You just don't. There have been other examples where backup quarterbacks came off the bench during the season and helped their teams win a Super Bowl. Right? Doug Williams did it for the Redskins in 87. Jeff Hostetler, we talked about it last night, did it for the Giants in 1990. Dilford did it with the Ravens in 2000. Nick Foles, handful of years ago with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what the thing is, though, with those teams? None of those guys had to come off the bench and play anywhere close to a full season. Doug Williams played two regular season games and then the playoffs. Jeff Hostetler, two regular season games, then the playoffs. Nick Foles played three games, then the playoffs. And they put Dilfer in because the offense was just abysmal under Tony Banks, if you remember. Like, it couldn't be any worse, so they went with Dilfer. And they had a historic all-time defense in Baltimore. But my point is this. All these backup quarterbacks who came in and helped lead their teams to Super Bowls, apart from Brady and Kurt Warner, of course, they weren't asked to do it for a full year, which is essentially what the Jets are dealing with, right? Because if those guys had to play a full season, like if Nick Foles was the Eagles quarterback all season in 2017, are they winning a Super Bowl? I don't know that. You know, we take shots at Carson Wentz. He was playing at a pretty good level, and that team was really, really good. And so they were in a position to where they could compete to go to a Super Bowl even when Foles took over. And the same thing with those other clubs. What a quarterback in the situation the Jets are faced with right now and what they're asked to do, there's only a couple of examples out of, what, 56 or 57 in NFL history where it's turned out the way you wanted it to. Case in point, I'll even mention another one. Remember when Brady got hurt, a la Aaron Rodgers, in week one in 2008 and missed the entire season. Matt Castle came off the bench. Nobody knew what the hell Matt Castle was, but he had the greatest coach of all time, many people tell you, in Belichick. And that Patriots team, even though they weren't dreadful, they missed the playoffs. Right? They missed the playoffs. And that team the year before went 18-1. and And the next year without Brady missed the playoffs. Last night we were doing the show and Julian dug up the last handful of years of the Super Bowl winners and who their backup quarterbacks were. So this is for everybody that says the Jets should have done a better job at making sure they had a security blanket in case Aaron Rodgers went down. Chad Henney, John Wolford, Blaine Gabbert, Matt Moore, and Brian Hoyer 
were the last five backup quarterbacks for the Super Bowl champions in the last five years. Now, you mean to tell me that if Mahomes, Brady, or Matthew Stafford, who were the three quarterbacks that won Super Bowls during that time, if any one of those guys went down for the season, that any of the previous five names would have kept that ship upright and they still would have won a Super Bowl? You know what? I'll play along with a lot of things. I'm open to a lot of ideas, but that's just silly. That's nonsense. When you've got a franchise quarterback and you've got a guy and there's only a few of them in this league and the Jets thought they had one of them, you're not going to be in a position to where you've got a you know, top-flight backup making all kinds of money to sit there and waste their time holding a clipboard. Because if the guy was any good to start in this league, he'd be starting on some other team. So again, how much do you trust this quarterback that the Jets are with? It was a guy just a couple of years ago who was good enough and was thought of enough to be taken with the second pick in the draft. And all of a sudden you can't win with him? Are we jumping ship after... One bad game against the Dallas Cowboys where really no part of that team played well? I know he wasn't great the first two years. You have a little bit more of a body of work. I understand all those things, but this is different. The roster's different. The roster's better. You know, people calling for Kirk Cousins. Oh, trade for Kirk Cousins. Get Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins didn't want to come here when he had the chance five years ago. Remember that. He was a free agent. Mike McCagney and the Jets, they offered him the bank. And he took less money, used the Jets' as leverage to drive up the price with the Minnesota Vikings and sign with them. So what makes you think he's going to okay a trade this time around? And why is Minnesota going to be so eager to get rid of him? You mean they can't compete in their division? In the North? Whether you like it or not, this is the guy you got to ride with if you're a Jet fan, at least for the next few weeks. You may not like it, but that's what you got right now. And I would say, and I've been saying, you probably give it to the bye week. Because if things still aren't working at that point, and if this thing goes backwards, dare I say, then they probably will have to act. But right now, two games into the season, after you won one of the games with this guy at quarterback, it's way too premature. Way too premature. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us go to the phones. Say hi to Dave in the car. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. Look, here's the deal for my perspective on it, and I'm interested to know how you see it. They banked, you know, lock, stock, and barrel on having a healthy Hall of Famer like Rodgers behind the line. Mm -hmm. You can't call call four plays in and say, oh, what if something happens and we lose them game one? So the reality needs to sink in this way, though. Okay, the line still isn't a cohesive unit. The talk about Super Bowl, it sounded great and it sold tickets and jerseys, but the Jets were still way ahead of themselves with Super Bowl talk. There is a ton of talent on this team, 
and I believe that the players love to rally around Salah and they have buy-in, I think right now what the Jets fans really need, they need a little bit more insight as to the shot calling at the organization. I think the owner owns a press conference to the fans. Okay, so we can't pay five, twenty, thirty million for a backup to Rodgers, right? But selling us on Wilson, selling the fan base on Wilson, with all the input Rodgers has had and the, the talent around him and everything, they're in a situation, especially because they're in the AFC. Like I don't see the Jets having a winning season. I don't see them sniffing the playoffs. So I'm just trying to see if. Maybe we can get some answers because you can't keep selling Wilson to us. Even though we're stuck with him, there has to be a little bit more of a definitive response from the Jets organization. Dave, let me ask you a question. Because but Dave, let yeah. me ask you a question. I'll let you finish. Let me ask you a question. Put, sure. put yourself in a quarterback shoes right now in the NFL. Pretend, pretend right. you are an NFL quarterback and you've got faith in your yep. ability You've got confidence. You think you're pretty good. You think you could play. If you had options this past offseason, knowing full well that Aaron Rodgers is not only going to be the starting quarterback of the Jets, he's essentially going to be the face of the franchise. When you think Jets, you're going to think Aaron Rodgers. So if you feel you could play, what quarterback in their right mind, given the fact there's a lot of mediocre quarterback play in this league, why would you decide to sign with the Jets knowing that you're not going to play at all unless this guy gets injured. Wouldn't you rather pursue another job? You would have pursued another job, but my question, my response to you, and it's a great question, and you're absolutely right. My response would be, at that juncture, if I'm in the Jets' war room, Mm -hmm. Wentz, Minshew, anybody who is a very good quarterback who might be eager to play, but might take a temporary sabbatical this year to hold the clipboard for Rodgers. Can we get one of those guys? I personally think Wentz, even though he wore out his locker, his welcome in the locker room of the Eagles, I think he went to the Colts and just got demolished with no line. I think he went to the Redskins, which was a disaster when he got there and got wiped out. And I think he's a very capable backup quarterback and would win more games than Wilson. Well, I mean, I look at his numbers and I'm like, guy can play better than Wilson right now. Well, Dave, here's the I'll I'll say this about Wentz, and I thank you for the phone call. Once upon a time, hey, Carson Wentz was on his way to maybe winning an MVP. Second year in the league, and then he broke his leg at the end of the season. That was the year Nick Foles took over, right? But you know who has a good answer to that question? When you throw the Carson Wentz quandary into the universe, you know who's probably got a good handle on that? The guy who's the general manager of the Jets. Because you know who knew Carson Wentz when he came into the league and was working with the Philadelphia Eagles? Yep, same guy. So you could say all the woulda, coulda, shoulda, and the locker room and moving around, but think about it. If Carson Wentz was as good as Dave in the car is making him out to be, Don't you think there's smoke, there's fire with the fact that the last three years this guy's been on three different teams? He plays the most valuable position in all of sports, and yet he got passed around like last week's laundry over the last three years, right? You know what that kind of reminds me of? 
Same thing I said when the Yankees acquired Josh Donaldson. Well, wait a sec. Josh Donaldson was an MVP once upon a time, but there's got to be a reason why Josh Donaldson was on five teams in five years or something like that when he came to the Yankees. And how's that Josh Donaldson thing worked out, on the field and off the field, last couple of years with the Yankees? You see my point? These guys know. People in these front offices, they know exactly the read on these players. Everybody knows everybody in the league. They talk. If Carson Wentz could legitimately help a team win a football game or a series of football games, he'd already be on somebody's roster. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Good conversation. We'll keep it going. Grasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow, we're going to do our weekly spot with Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. Normally, we have Jordan on. That's right. When do we usually, we, we do Jordan on Thursdays, right? Usually? Uh, yes, Thursdays at 8. Yeah, I'm still, see, I'm still a... trying to get in the flow here. You know, it's still only a couple of weeks into this. Right, so we normally do Jordan on Thursdays at 8, but because the Giants are actually playing football on Thursday around 8 o'clock, we're going to do Jordan tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And you know what? Give Jordan credit for that, too, because he was the one that actually looked ahead, Harvey, right, and said, hey, Giants are playing next Thursday. Why don't we do it on Wednesday? That's a guy committed to his craft. Very committed. He knows what he's doing. Extremely, extremely committed. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Eddie in Rockland, who is up next on 9870 ESPN. Eddie, how are you? Hey, bud, how you doing? What's up, Ed? I look at it this way. I want to see Zach Wilson play well, but he plays on the back of his feet, and he throws like he's throwing downfield, not like he's, you know, he, he can see the field well. He needs to play more like a Drew Brees and be in a dome. But as saying that, two questions. First of all, I like Mitch Trubisky. I would give him a ring and talk to the Steelers and give him a third pick. And if they give it into the playoffs, move it up to a second. But that's the that Zach Wilson, he was supposed to sit behind Rodgers and develop and give him some more time. Now, is this time on the clock now? If they don't make the playoffs through Zach Wilson – does he get to go back behind Rodgers and more development time, or is the Jet base and they should be done with him at that time? Um, look, Eddie, I don't know how this is going to play out. I will say this, though. If you're just going to project and come up with scenarios, I'll answer the last one you presented. And this is just me. I don't have any knowledge on this because nobody's even talking about it because they don't want to ultimately see this happen. But my guess is – is that if Zach Wilson has a season which eerily resembles last year to where as the year went on, he became less and less effective and you started to see some maybe fractures and confidence and that type of thing, I don't know how he's back on the team next year if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and ready to go as the starting quarterback. They probably have a new backup quarterback. What about Mitch Trubisky? You really think Mitch Trubisky is somebody you can win with? I think he, he's got a winning record. He's over 500. And plus, listen, he's strong. He's, he has a good arm. He just, uh, you know, he just needs uh, more development. He's been Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, but remember, Pittsburgh, he lost. Good, quarter, good coaching. But remember, Pittsburgh last year, Eddie, and, and think about it. That was the game against the Jets where he ultimately lost his starting job. The Jets were actually mauling him in that first half. And then they decided to go to the bullpen and, and turn the keys over to Kenny Pickett, and it's been his job ever since. Look, Trubisky's one of those guys where 
You know what I kind of Mitch Trubisky reminds me of like uh, you know I know that their styles are a little bit different, but somebody like you know Kyle Orton. Remember Kyle Orton hung around forever as a starting quarterback. You know the Bears, the Broncos, the he, he was everywhere. But it doesn't mean that that's the solution. And I think that if you're the Jets right now, they're still trying to tap into the upside and the potential of a guy that they took with the second overall pick in the draft. Like, the talent is there. The tools are there. And you've seen it in spurts. But the problem is they need to see it, and the fans want to see it a little bit more consistently than there's been so far. Yeah, I mean, Trubisky's a guy like, look, Pittsburgh isn't going to make him available. Because Pittsburgh still very much has plans for this season. I mean, Pittsburgh probably thinks they can make the playoffs. Hey, I picked the Steelers to make the playoffs. We'll see if it happens. But should something happen to Kenny Pickett, guess who they got to turn the reins back over to? Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, Pickett hasn't exactly set the world on fire so far the first two weeks of the season in his sophomore campaign. You know, that's some insurance that they probably want to have just in case because Steelers roster – it's good enough to be in contention, if you ask me. Eric in the Bronx up next here on 98.7. Hello, Eric. How are you? Dan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's the word? Listen, <laughs> I called you the other day for the fifth quarter show, you and Craig. Uh, listen, you're asking the wrong question, Dan. It's not trust of, of the quarterback. It's do we as a fan base trust the coach? And the answer is no. Why? Okay. Because Robert Salas walks into that press conference and he says, I was disappointed in the run game. And the follow-up question from the reporter was, why do you think you uh, guys struggled today with the run game, Robert? And he said, well, they had a single safety high. They stacked the box. The follow-up question to that should have been, Robert, were you shocked that they did that? Did you not prepare for the fact that, I mean, I mean, Dan, you've been watching this game a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you honestly have any confidence that the coaching staff will make any adjustments. You know, I brought this up in the fifth quarter show with you guys. Yeah. It was obvious the game plan was to run at Micah Parsons, right, Mm -hmm. to to try to – Because he's the most dangerous when he's in in space. When he's in space and he can utilize his athletic ability, that's why you run at the guy. You you, – listen, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm -hmm. However – and I'm not saying he's Lawrence Taylor yet because he's not, mm-hmm. but there are some guys that that theory goes out the window. You couldn't run at Lawrence. You couldn't run away from Lawrence. And, and like I said, we played away from our strength, because we, which was running over Beckton and mm-hmm. Vera Tucker against the Bills. But it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't an accident that Parsons never lined up against Beckton. They lined him up against Brown and, and McGovern. With all due respect to Hackett, and this is where I have no confidence in Salah. You have the headset, and I understand Robert doesn't call the offensive plays. I get that. But Par- Parcells, one of the best, right? He's on the headset going, hey, hey, Nathaniel, you think you want to put Uzumoa in so we could help double-team Brown, or do I have to continue to watch Michael Parsons go around Brown the whole game? My point is, the reason, the great segue you talked about the Steelers, you picked them to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you know why you did that? Because the two best coaches in the NFL at making in-game adjustments are Belichick and Tomlin. The other coaches, for the most part, especially ours, they, they go rote with what they worked on all week and go, well, we didn't practice that, uh, so we're not going to do it on Sunday. And, and this is what hampers us as a team. 
you're starting, in my opinion, the time clock has started to tick on Salah when guys like Michael Kay ask him, why, why doesn't Sauce travel? People are starting to figure out he's not as, a, as big a genius as everybody thought he was. He's a big rah-rah guy. His in-game adjustments are terrible, Dan. But, Eric, 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 let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Did they not, just two games ago, basically scrap their entire offensive game plan when Aaron Rodgers went down to come back and still find a way to beat the Bills? Did they? Dan, Dan. They did. (laughs) They did. Listen, Dan, I, I'm going to tell you something real. Yeah, I, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give you a little credit on that one, Dan. No, I mean, they, I'm just telling you, they did. With all, okay, with all due respect, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. who dropped back three times in that game, mm-hmm. didn't get a pass off because the offensive line was so bad. Once again, this is less about Zach Wilson. This is core, poor coaching decision. Dwayne Brown is not fit to play. He didn't play all preseason. Mm-hmm. And I understand what the Makai Becton thing is, but if Makai Becton was healthy, he is your best left tackle. And who's and, to say and, he might and, not be? But you know, And Eric, who's to, and i got to let you go, but I thank you for the phone call. Who's to say that Becton won't be man on the left side before the end of the season? I don't know that. You don't know that. But to sit here and talk about the you know the coaching staff and the and the adjustments and lack thereof and all those other things, there were adjustments made in the first game of the season. They have to scr- trust me, trust me. They've spoken about it, and I have it on good authority. They have to scrap a large deal of that game plan once Rodgers went down, and tailor it to Zach Wilson's strengths. Right. Also, you could talk about you know, the Aaron Rodgers thing, for example, like the offensive line and the guys were bearing down on him. That's why he didn't complete a pass. Well, you know, we talked about it last week, and I don't want to open up another can of worms here, but if Aaron Rodgers got rid of the ball quicker, he doesn't go down on that play. As the play was designed, there was a throw to be made. There was a window to complete a pass to Garrett Wilson on that play. But you'd have to ask Aaron as to why he didn't throw the ball. I don't know. He would have an answer to that better than me. But not even just halftime adjustments. Guys, let's go back even further, right? Let's hop in the old DeLorean and go back to April. When Aaron Rodgers got here, April, May, June, July, August, September, that's six months. This offense was Aaron Rodgers' offense. This team was Aaron Rodgers' team And he hadn't even played an official game yet for the Jets. So think about it. You could talk about making adjustments, scrapping the offense based on one game. Had about six months worth. They didn't have a part of their OTAs or a part of minicamp. Well, they didn't have minicamp. But they didn't have training camp or preseason or anything like that tailoring a percentage of the playbook to Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle or whatever other quarterback was going to be coming through Florham Park. It was Aaron Rodgers 100%. It is his offense. And they now, in a span of how many days has it been? Eight days? Have had to scrap that thing almost entirely. So it was almost like whenever the Jets had their last game, January whatever against... Who the hell did they finish with last year? Miami. Brought in a whole new coaching staff. It was almost like they didn't have an offseason program. Because everything that they did over the offseason in those six months, out the window after four plays. Four plays. What's the old saying, right? When you make plans, God laughs at you. Same thing with the football gods. You make plans, 
They laugh at you. Sometimes four plays into the season. So something that you and every guy on that offensive staff and in that huddle has been working on and perfecting and practicing for six months is gone. So you know what? I'm sure that they're still tweaking some things, and I'm sure that they're trying to find out how do we play to Zach Wilson's strength. Because remember, Michael, um, Michael Fleur, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't here last year. Keith Carter wasn't here last year. Todd Downing wasn't here last year. Those are the three big assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball right now. None of them were here. They're still in the introductory phase when it comes to Zach Wilson. And oh, by the way, how many reps Zach Wilson get with the first team throughout the offseason and camp and all those other things? Not a hell of a lot. Not when you have Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? The NFL waits for no one, and they're not going to cancel the rest of the season. They're not going to give the Jets an extra bye week or two just so they can have more practices. No, it's you got to adjust on the fly here, and the games keep a coming. And Dallas put a whipping on you on Sunday. And now you're facing a team that's beatable, but they've also beaten you 14 straight times. Not going to get easy. 800-919-3776. Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. How about those Monday nighters last night, by the way? You know, I actually, and I, and I tweeted this out, by the way, and you can get me, of course, at Dan Grasser, G-R-A-C-A. Watching that Steelers-Browns game, it actually gave, and look, I understand the game took forever. It was almost like four hours long, and there was a lot of stoppages and everything, but it was almost kind of like an old-school game. Not because they're division rivals and they go back a ways, but with the hitting and the physicality. And I'm not even talking about the injuries. But just it, it felt like just an old-school NFL type of game that you're used to seeing, especially in big situations. And look, the Browns... Browns do what the Browns have been doing. I get it. Steelers found a way. T.J. Watt, you know, it's amazing how the ball always ends up in the hands of the guys that usually make big plays, and that's what T.J. Watt did. And the fact that I didn't even know this, but when he had that one sack and he becomes the all-time sack leader in Steelers history, I mean, think about how many legends have played on the defensive side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now he's number one in sacks. Granted, I understand that nowadays the passing game is more prevalent than it was once upon a time, and teams are throwing the ball a lot more, which – Obviously, if teams are throwing the ball more, that means you have more of a chance to stockpile sacks. But you still have to. So that's a heck of an accomplishment for T.J. Watt. And, you know, on the subject of quarterbacks, think about what the Browns gave up for Deshaun Watson. Could you imagine if one of the teams here did something like that? Gave up three first-round picks, guaranteed this guy $230 million. Like, when are they actually going to start to see some returns from that? Like, Patrick Mahomes got a new restructuring yesterday, and and he got the bag, and he should, because he's the best player in the league. But that was why, not just that a player got a fully guaranteed contract, but it was a player who really, let's be honest, he's talented, but didn't deserve it. But all it takes is one. We talk about that all the time. When it comes to sports and different teams and these preposterous contracts, all it takes is one team to go out there and do something stupid, and that's what it appears the Cleveland Browns did, right? Because what Deshaun Watson has done for them, has he been a difference maker? You know, Baker Mayfield won him a playoff game, as a matter of fact, didn't he? And Baker's look pretty good here to start the season. Don't you think down in Tampa Bay, everybody wanted to ride him off and throw him away? Now that shoulder seems like it's a little bit healthier and you're seeing what he can do. Again, talent 
does not just automatically disappear. Not in this short a period of time. Five years ago, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. There's a reason behind that. And if you're the Jets, you hope that Zach Wilson starts to show some of it. Right? The talent and the ability is there. And that other game last night, too, the, the, thank God there was a second game on because the Saints-Panthers was dreadful. I mean, that was, I'm telling you, the first three quarters of that game on Sunday, or I mean, on, uh, last night, it looked like a preseason game because it was unwatchable like a game in August would be. And we'll see if Bryce Young is going to work out, but boy, he's having a rough go of it here so far, you know? And it hasn't been pretty for the Saints. They've won two games by a total of four points, but they're 2-0. And it's going to get a little bit trickier for them. We know that. But, man, that was a tough game to watch. At least on the pay, uh, on paper, next week is going to be a little bit better when you have the Monday Night Football double dip. At least we think. Next week, you got Philly at Tampa Bay. So there you go, Baker Mayfield. And you got the Rams at the Bengals. And that's intriguing because, well, you might not have Joe Burrow in that game. Might be Jake Browning taking on the Rams, who've actually surprised a lot of people so far here with the way that they've played. They could easily be 2-0, and believe it or not. Let's say hi to our buddy Wes in East Hanover. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Wesley. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. Good evening, company. So, you know, you asked your question about the trust. Yeah. The question is, do you trust Douglas or Sala more? Because to your point, you just made about Mayfield, right? Number mm-hmm. one overall pick. He's got talent in him. Here he is on, what, third team? And he's getting it together, and I know it's two games into the season. But you're picked there for a reason. So do you think that some of the reason why Salah's had trouble, or, I mean, Wilson's had trouble, is Salah? So between the two, who do you trust more, Salah or Douglas? I trust the tandem. I know that that might sound like a cop-out, but that's what they are. You know, they're a tandem right now, and I trust that this tandem – is going to be able to deliver a winner to this football team. I really and truly believe it. Let's be honest. This is the best roster that Robert Salas had to work with as a head coach. Right? It's only his third year, and we're only two games into that season, Wes. Still got a lot of football to play. You're right. And the caller earlier that was upset about the change of the offense, like that's not to be my issue. My issue is do you not have any plays in your playbook for when a receiver is catching it down your throat to put your best cornerback on him and follow him around the field. I'm surprised that they don't have that built into their This is not their normal philosophy. The system. And that, to me, is a, is a question mark about the coaching staff in general. Uh, on that. But I, I'm with you. Uh, I got a little hope for him, but I don't know why. Yeah, you know what, Wes? It's a good point when you're talking about the defensive stuff, and I thank you for the phone call. Wes was in the car there a little bit. Um the philosophy of the defense, okay, is that they don't play man, they play zone. Which you play zone, it's supposed to limit the big plays from happening. It's supposed to keep everything in front of you, and you're not supposed to allow any guys, or the goal is to not allow any guys to get behind the defense. So you go up over the top, and that's how they beat you. Um, it's very reliant on the front four being able to apply pressure to the quarterback and to get home, and that's why the Jets, for example, don't blitz a hell of a lot. Because it's reliant on those four guys. So what you do is if you rush four, then you're dropping seven back into coverage, which is supposed to give you a good chance of limiting big plays in the pass game. Now, 
Is that going to be a wrinkle that they look to incorporate to where they take one of their two corners, who are both very good, by the way, in Sauce and DJ Reed, and maybe have them travel on occasion, even if a guy's lined up in the slot, potentially? Maybe. But the other thing that happened in that game, too, on Sunday, which kind of isn't getting talked about a lot, Michael Carter II, who's a really, really good corner in his own right. He's the nickelback, like the slot corner. He left that game in the first half with an elbow injury and never came back. That also made things a lot more difficult to try to contain the likes of C.D. Lamb and everybody else. So hopefully you don't miss any Michael Carter getting ready for the Patriots here coming up on Sunday. All right, more of your phone calls. A lot of football conversation on tap. We'll sprinkle in some baseball before we're done, too. 60 more minutes to play with Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>